Please be advised that this episode may contain strong language and spoilers. Hello, and welcome to What the Forks, a podcast in which we revisit a teenage obsession, Stephanie Meyer's Twilight Saga. We are still finding out if our love for this series will shine eternal or crumble to ash under close inspection. I'm Isaac. And I'm Chloe. And in this episode, we're talking about chapter seven of the novel Life and Death, Twilight Reimagined. Good morning. Good morning. We haven't talked the whole night through. We have not. It feels like we have, because I am rat-assed. Does that mean hungover? Well, no. Well, I guess I am hungover with my loss of sleep. Wow. <laughs> we, we couldn't tell. Thank you. <laughs> oh. oh. I hate not sleeping. I don't know. I just haven't been sleeping well at all since this whole lockdown. Sitch. You look lovely. That's a lie, but thank you. I'll take <laughs> it. I've also bought this uh, teeth whitening kit. And um, it's gross. Is it like a gel? Yes. It was so funny because last night we had a bit of a dancing sesh from like nine to half eleven. What? Yeah, just dancing to Madonna. We do this sometimes. We just, you know, we just dance when you just got to let it all out. Wow. I'm not familiar. (laughs) I like to be still. Yeah, so we danced to Madonna and it was amazing. And then I danced so much, I was like, I need another shower. So whilst I was in the shower, I had this mouth garden with the gel and everything. There's this kind of like chalk thing that you apply first on the teeth that you want whitened. You can't let your lips touch the teeth that you've applied the chalk on because your lips will take it off. So you're like this. I can't, I know it's a podcast, you can't really see. You just imagine like the clown from It when it's going to eat someone. Oh my. Yes, that's exactly how I look right now. (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) And so your lips can't touch it, so you're terrified. You've put the gel in the guard and you shove it in your mouth and you've got to time it for five minutes. So I had a shower whilst this guard was in and I'm like, how do I swallow? What's going to happen? And then I took it out and I was like, and it's like, rinse thoroughly before brushing your teeth, but you have to brush your teeth before you put it in anyway. So I'm like, oh my God, so much brushing. I just hope my teeth don't fall out. Life and Death, Chapter 7, Nightmare. It's still Saturday the 12th of March, 2005. (laughs) Bo returns home from First Beach, refuses dinner and goes to bed. Bo dreams that he is in the forest by the beach. In his dreams, he sees Jules shapeshift into a wolf and protect him from a menacing Edith. When the wolf launches herself at Edith's throat, Bo shouts no, waking himself up. It's early Sunday morning. Unable to sleep, Bo gets up and researches vampires before taking a walk in the woods to calm himself down. That night, Bo doesn't dream and wakes up on Monday, 14th of March, to a sunny day. At school, Michaela asks Bo out, but he deflects her by revealing Jeremy's feelings for her. Bo is invited to see a movie with Alan, Jeremy and Logan that night in Port Angeles, but is reluctant to accept. At lunch, the Cullens are all absent and Bo's mood plummets. The lads' movie night is rescheduled for the next day when Jeremy gets a date with Michaela, And Bo agrees to go. The next day, the Cullens have still not returned to school, but that afternoon, Bo makes an effort to remain cheerful as he heads to Port Angeles with Jeremy and Alan. 
What a shit chapter, honestly. It's not the best. Mm, don't be diplomatic, it's shit. The reason it's shit is because Edith isn't involved and neither is Jules, so there are no women, apart from Michaela that one time. Poor Michaela. Even you do not appreciate her. No one appreciates Michaela, except Jeremy, and he's gross. I read this chapter in about three parts, because I would pick it up. <laughs> put it down. <laughs> Wow, I just read all of it and just thought, that's not a chapter. I sat down the other day like, right, now is the time to sit down, read this chapter, make my notes, get all prepared. I think I read about the first two, three pages. Literally put the book down, picked up my computer, watched Thor. And that's not a great film. This chapter, even worse. I tell you what I did like about this chapter. I actually enjoyed the dream that he has. I love the visuals of Edith in this, you know, black classical dress with a low V-neck. I was very surprised that Bo knew what a low V-neck was. A V-neck? I mean, V-neck is the most basic. Men would just be like, it's low cut. No, men know at least what a V-neck and a crew neck is. Oh, crew I, neck I, whereas... is pushing it, my friend. <laughs> See, whereas I read V-neck, I was like, it's not V, like, come on, is it a halter? Spaghetti strap? Is it strapless? What are we talking here, Bo? Be more specific. I really enjoyed Jules transforming into a wolf right in front of Bo. But this kind of goes back to what I was saying in the last episode, where I'm like, Bo already knows everything to do with vampires and werewolves. No research is necessary. The answers have all been given. You are correct. I, I will still argue that the answers are all being given to us, the reader, not necessarily to Bo. No, I know, but this is not my burning question, but I genuinely nearly had it as my burning question. If you were given all the evidence of Bo, <laughs> what conclusion would you draw? And in reality, you would probably go, no, they're just fucking weird. <laughs> and they've given me nightmares now. I'm going to stay away from them. You would not actually think this was real. I don't know, man. I don't know. I think I'm a witch. Now, this was my argument in Twilight, do you remember? I thought that Bella's prophetic dreams meant that she could be a witch or she could be some kind yeah. of, have some kind of latent magical ability. And I do stick with that here. That would be my excuse for it. Stephanie never takes us there. Maybe she will She in this never book. takes us there. That would have been amazing. A witch, a vampire and a werewolf. I think, I've got no evidence for this except my deduction, but I think that Stephanie Meyer has written a vampire supernatural fantasy story but is very very conscious of keeping it distant from the occult and that is why we don't get any actual witchcraft he even gets the fur color of jewels right yeah exactly it's a vision yeah i do believe it's a vision i agree so he goes to google oh we do not need a repeat of this it's exactly the same isn't it it is exactly the same but to be fair that's the point of the book i understand i understand but i was like this we need this again when you were editing it you took away a lot but you kept this in didn't need the repeat. It was boring. I mean, this is quite, I mean, especially at the moment, neither of us are sleeping that well. It's quite relatable. Like the getting up early, fuck it, I'm not going to be able to get back to sleep. Let's do something. Ah, uh, no, I d that's not relatable. <laughs> Do you just lie there and let the existential dread set in? Yeah, and then, so what I had, so I woke up at four o'clock this morning and then I had all the things I regret come into my head <laughs> and all, all the... <laughs> was it a very long list? The most embarrassing thing that's ever, ever happened to me happened when I was 19 and I was working at a hotel and my boss made me smoke weed and get really drunk before we went to a staff do. And the staff do started at half eight 
and I had to be picked up at nine o'clock and taken into a taxi back to her house because I was that drunk. And I did some unimaginable things and really embarrassed myself. And then I remembered I had to apologize to people and I had sick in my hair the next morning because I had to get up at six o'clock to do the breakfast shift with my boss. And then slowly as people started arriving, they would tell me <laughs> more parts of the night. <laughs> so everything would just slowly get pieced together. And I was like, thank you. <laughs> Honestly, the most embarrassing, most atrocious thing I've ever, ever done. And that's why I don't allow myself to get that drunk anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so you had a really good morning. <laughs> yeah. And that's again why I look like this. <laughs> So no, I don't relate. I don't go Googling if my crush is a vampire or not. I just sit there going, you were an awful person. Do you remember when you did that? You bitch. Could I gently suggest that you start Googling whether or not your crush is a vampire? It, it might be a better <laughs> yes. thing for you to do with your time. God, I'm sweating. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Then Bo goes for a walk in the woods. <sighs> Yeah. I mean, it's the same as Bella. What I would like to point out, just from this walk in the woods, it's the only remarkable thing about it, is that it is in this walk in the woods where Bella, in Twilight, gave us the line, Dim as Twilight. Yeah. And Dim as Twilight could have been the name of this podcast. <laughs> we missed the trick! Anyway, here, Bo says, The rain made it dark as dusk. Which made me think, why wasn't this book called Dusk. Mm. Instead, we got the title of this book in the first chapter. We did. We did indeed. Really no point to make there, but just a fact, just a collection of facts <laughs> for you today. Thank you so much. Why not just keep the line? I was quite excited. as I knew it was coming up to it. Oh, you saddo. It's all I have, <laughs> Chloe. It's all I have. Thor had finished, so I came back to this and I was like, oh, well, at least I'll get a little jolt of dopamine when he writes the word Twilight. And the, the dopamine never came. We get a very British moment on Monday when Bo goes to school. What is that? Everyone was in t-shirts, some even in shorts, so the temperature couldn't be over 60. <laughs> we got to take what we can get. That's about 15 or 16 degrees Celsius. Yeah, so that for us is quite warm. It's not that warm. It's warm enough for me to be like, hey, sun. I mean, I'm not going to get my legs out, but I'll get my arms out for 16. <laughs> <laughs> So, we've got this interaction between Michaela and Bo. In some ways, improved compared to Twilight. How so? When Mike approaches Bella in Twilight, the first thing he does is say, I never noticed before, your hair has red in it. And he catches a piece of her hair between his fingers and tucks it behind her ear. Oh, don't be doing that! So that's how it starts, and that does make Bella uncomfortable. I was looking forward to hearing that Bo might have some red in his hair when the light hits it, but we don't get any of that, but at least we don't get random touching. What we do get is the same question, what did you do yesterday? And that sense of ownership there. So he does perceive that sense of ownership, but actually Michaela's not doing anything. What we did comment on that is completely missing is the discussion of the paper that's due. We do get a little bit and we get Michaela say, oh, that's due on Thursday. And Bo corrects her to Wednesday and she's like, oh, I'll have to do that tonight. I was going to ask you out. Whereas that's the point where Mike asks Bella, what are you doing your paper on? 
Uh, And that is the moment where Bella says whether Shakespeare's treatment of female characters is misogynistic. Oh, yes. And he stared at me like I'd just spoken in Pig Latin. A conscious shift in character there. Mm. Mike looked bamboozled when Bella used the word misogynistic, which is, I don't want to be judgmental, but it's not a particularly difficult word. It's really not. You were in the same English class. Then Michaela asks him out and we get the guilt. And Bella feels the same way and all of that jazz. I mean, you do. I I mean, that is relatable because, you know, it is really difficult. You understand it's difficult to ask somebody out just like that. And then to reject someone, you do feel shit. Yes, it is understandable. And God knows I hate confrontation. Yeah, you do. And I will do anything. Anything to avoid it. (laughs) (laughs) But sometimes you've got no choice and you need to do what's right to hurt people as little as possible. But the way that Bo deals with this is not what Bella does, which is saying, Mike, I think that if I were to go out with you, it might hurt Jessica's feelings. And Mike is like, what? What? That meme of the woman with all the math equations on there? <laughs> Whereas Bo mm. says, look. Ugh. The sentence begins with look. And that's never good, is it? Listen or look. I'm breaking all kinds of man codes telling you this. Man codes! Man codes. Man codes. Man codes. Also, it's bro code, and they are not men. Both bro code and man code are disgusting. They are disgusting, but it's bro code. Bro code rhymes. Michaela replies, man codes, and Bo says that she says it mystified. I don't think she's mystified. I think she's disgusted. I just asked a boy out who used the phrase... Man codes. And Bo explains, Jeremy's my friend and if I went out with you, well, it would upset him. And he's like, you can't say anything to him. Can't say I told you. Also, is Jeremy your friend? No. Bo doesn't have any friends. He's just tall. That is Bo's existence. He is just tall. That's all he is. That's all he's got to him. So anyway, what my problem with this is that Bo is using the mysterious man codes to take away Michaela's choice. And to avoid the confrontation. It's this excuse, rather than being honest about your feelings and just saying, I don't feel that way about you. Thing is, it's kind of a dick move to reveal Jeremy's feelings. Jeremy wouldn't want him to do that, I don't think. Although it works out for Jeremy, he's using Jeremy and his feelings to get out of the way. But also he's refusing to talk about feelings. He just talks about a code. But this is the thing. Whenever Edith Jules are absent from chapters, the toxic masculinity just reeks through these pages. It gets worse and worse. It reeks. Toxic masculinity is a nightmare to get out of fabric. (laughs) Honestly. It just seeps through all my clothes. Chloe, can you please tell me about 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea? So I was so bored by this chapter that I researched the book. So I was like, I wonder what Bo's reading. It must be all about men. And it is! So here we go. 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea was written by Jules Verne, a French novelist. It was written in 1869. It starts in America, in Manhattan. We have three protagonists. I didn't note down their names. It's not important. They go on a mission to discover the notorious sea monster that has 
been like globalized there's this massive sea monster going on and they're gonna find it okay okay so they sail away and after five months of searching the ocean they find the monster and attack it but this damages their ship's rudder and they are all hurled into the sea they then climb upon the monster which they discover in the morning is actually a futuristic submarine Ooh. so they are now captive on this futuristic submarine and the captain is called captain nemo captain nemo's mental health deteriorates throughout the novel and by the end everyone wants to escape this submarine they manage to take refuge on an island off of the coast of norway but the submarine and nemo's fate remain forever unknown Um, so i'm going to be honest chloe i was really prepared to get really bitchy about this choice of novel but i'm hooked is there a film i think that's just because of the way i did the plot (laughs) but it's all about men well it's pretty obvious like she's flipped the character from female to male so she needs something that is a classic novel but is still a male focused adventure story rather than a romance i don't know so i just got one more thing before we wrap up i think Bo's depression. We had a lot to say about Bella's depression and it was around this chapter because we have two days of Edith's absence. This is where we start to get a lot of this. We get the same imagery of spiralling, not keeping in touch with his mum like he usually would or like he ought. I just didn't really like the phrase idiotic depression. I was like, it's okay if you're feeling depressed or if you suffer from depression. It's not idiotic of you to be feeling these thoughts. I would maybe say that Bo is depressed and is an idiot, but those two things aren't necessarily connected. Exactly. They're separate things. You can be happy and stupid and depressed and stupid, but your depression itself is not idiotic. No, that's true. Mm, Or is it when it's about this girl's been missing from school for two days? Yeah, but we all were like, oh no, like, I'm not going to see that person today. That's the voice I used to have when I was 17. (laughs) Okay, to be fair, yes, we did do that. And I suppose because Edith is a better written character, is she better written or she's just a more appealing character? Both. There isn't the same sense, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We had with Edward of like, God, why does she like him? It's stupid. With Bo, it's like, well, yeah, I see. See why he likes her. Yeah. I would. And also, I mean, this chapter is proof that, yeah, you're right. Without Edith, you are boring, dull. I would be depressed. But that's intentional, isn't it? Of course it's intentional. Isn't this chapter intentionally boring without her? Yeah, I understand. I don't need it. I understood without Edith, this novel (laughs) would be nothing. We have said this many times. I need her. Bring her back, please. Don't punish me by proving your point. I knew it. I knew it. I'm putting 20,000 leagues under the sea. I need it. Chloe, what is your favourite part? Bo's dream. Yeah, same. (laughs) (laughs) Because Edith is in it, and so is Jules, so. I really liked her sharp painted nails, like her manicure being described (laughs) was great. (laughs) I liked the um, description of Jules kind of shaking on the floor. and classic gothic. I was here for it. And I liked the fact that Bo was helpless in the dream and all he could do was go, no. Worst part, please. Man code. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking that as well. I think mine is is just not having any female characters, really, apart from Michaela in this. Where are all the other females? Where have they gone? What's happened? Well, to be fair, it's been the weekend. Why are you doing this? Because it's the fact. (laughs) It's not the... It's just, like, I don't need it. Okay. Edith's not in this chapter. I don't care. 
Are you ready for a burning question? Yeah. So this isn't different between Twilight and Life and Death. This is the same, but still it's just a question that lingers. So when Bo can't sleep, (laughs) he wakes up in bed with his shoes on like an animal. He's not going to be able to get back to sleep. So first things first, I thought to myself, I grabbed my bathroom stuff and he goes to take a shower. Why doesn't Bo keep his bathroom stuff in the bathroom? And what is Bo's bathroom stuff? I think it is genuinely like his toiletry bag and towel. Right. But I guess it's to represent the fact that he doesn't feel at home yet. So he can't leave his stuff in the bathroom. He always must carry it. I mean, I always... My towel is always in my room. Yes, but also you're an adult in a shared house. If you lived in a house... That was just you, mm, or just you and your parents, or you. The towel, even the towels, maybe not, but like bathroom stuff. So with Bella, I kind of understood because I thought maybe it might be a thing that she would carry her sanitary products to and from her room. Maybe she wouldn't want to leave those in the bathroom with Charlie Ugh. because of some kind of self consciousness. But that is such an effort. Even carrying just your toiletries, like your toothbrush and toothbrush, like uh, to carry it in and out. What's the point? I only do that for sleepovers. Well, yeah. Either way, it's bullshit. He's her father. It's her house. All her shit should be in the bathroom. All of it. Same with Bo, though. And maybe he's got hidden sex toys and likes to put his uh, butt plug on the, uh, on the wall. But this is a hurried shower. There isn't time. I mean, there's always time. Also, why does he need a butt plug? He's not about to do any comedy. <laughs> Thank you for joining us for Chapter 7 of Life and Death. Join us next time for Chapter 8 or Angelis. You can find us on social media by searching at ForksCast. And you can rate review and subscribe to what the forks wherever you listen until next time take care and stay at home and remember i won't get my legs out but i'll get my arms out for 16.